Hello and welcome to the St. Francis Sunday Sermon Podcast for this, the fifth Sunday in Lent. Our sermon this week is from the Reverend Beth Sherman, and we hear two selections from the St. Francis Choir, Psalm 119 and Come and Follow Me. Enjoy and have a blessed week.
she was the one in the neighborhood that welcomed all the children that had a garden in her backyard, and we could go and help her garden, and she'd have a scene for cookies and juice, and it was the neighborhood gathering place. And I, I immediately said to him, why, why do you think she was such a, an inviting person? And he said, I don't know, that's a good question. So last week, my uh, dear friend, Liz, who's a priest in New York City, texted me a photo of my goddaughter, Marette. Marette is six, she's my youngest godchild, and she's 16. And she uh, is, uh, she grew up in Ethiopia, but she is now an about New Yorker. And she, this was a photo, it was Wednesday, and they had walked out of school. Uh, and so this was a photograph of her at Union Square on the front lines with a big sign. And I, I looked at her uh, against gun violence, and I looked at, at the picture and I thought, she's such a special young woman, and she's so righteous, and she's gonna make a great lawyer, I think, because uh, she loves to argue. <laughs> but she uh, she's so sure about what is right and what is wrong and is so committed to expressing it. And I think about how did she become this young woman of integrity uh, and honesty and beauty. And then on Wednesday afternoons, we have this incredible cadre of people who staff our food pantry, and a food pantry that feeds 120, 130 people a week. And I think about how committed those volunteers are to that food bank. And I step back and I say, what moves them to do this fine work that they do so tirelessly week in and week out? What makes us do good things? And something I've used about my whole life is how is character formed? Where does our impulse to do good come from? Is it the way we're brought up? Is it the spiritual traditions we come to know? Is it our common DNA stamped on us as human beings? I mean, it, I think it's probably a little bit of all of that. In our first lesson from Jeremiah, it really, it's a beautiful passage, one of my favorites, and it gets at this question. The people from two kingdoms, Judah and Israel, um, are kind of in a bad, not kind of, they're definitely in a bad way. Uh, they have a history of, of really rebelling against God. And at this point, they are now in exile. And they need help, they need encouragement, they need a good word uh, from God. And what God says is this, I will write my law upon your heart. And now this is death's paraphrase. Your response to me will now come from the inside out. You will be imprinted great nature image, you will be imprinted with my essence. And so this imprinting 
will call forth good things from you, acts of kindness and mercy and compassion, because you now know me anew, your God, as a God of kindness and mercy and compassion and forgiveness, I might add, because they were in sore need of forgiveness. So one of the rich uh, things in our prayer book are our collects that we use every Sunday, and one of the most famous, and one that I've always loved, was written by Cranmer, who actually wrote the prayer book, um, the very first uh, English prayer book. And there's a phrase inviting us to read, mark, and inwardly digest the scriptures. And that conjures this same notion as what the prophet is talking about. Because all that we do, worship, study, prayer, our good works, emphasizes this notion of the importance of a heart that is somehow marked as God's own. God does the marking. We don't do it. But our job is to keep our hearts supple, and responsive, in tune, and in touch with the Holy Spirit's guidance. So, more about Jeremiah. Another thing I love about this story is it reminds us that our God is a God of second chances. So the people of Israel and Judah are not only worn out and disconsolate, they are, as I said a minute ago, in exile. They're far from home, and they're lost and out of sorts. They are broken and alienated, and they are yearning for a new way. But they've also kind of time and time again been disobedient, so they are honestly not quite sure if or how God is going to respond to their cries. Now, as I thought about this and how it connected to me, I thought, well, you know, I can't really re relate to the recurring disobedience in my own life. If anything, I probably work too hard to get it right. So maybe I veer in the, into the realm of pride versus disobedience. But I can relate to the idea of exile and wandering out on the edge and feeling discouraged and lost and uncertain. Of being in the desert for a little too long instead of just long enough. You've heard me call it hitting the wall. We all hit the wall sometimes, right? And we think we can't keep it together much longer. One, at one point in my life when I was having a particularly bad patch, I bought a punching bag. <laughs> it helped. Another time, I began taking dance classes so I could sort of move my stuff out of my body. And sometimes just ranting and raving and crying out in anguish helps. And just when you think you can't take it anymore, the release comes, the new path emerges, the Spirit goes in to provide a new way or to provide new life. For the people of Judah and Israel, God comes to them and shows 
says, when we need it, God is either there to catch us or we sprout wings. I love that. So on Friday, I had lunch with Bob Kostler, and one of the things, we always talk about a lot of different things, but one of the things we, we spoke about was expectations and attachments and how they cause us so much suffering and disappointment. We want something to be this way or we want someone to be this way and they're not. And we are disappointed by that or we, are, we judge them for not being that thing that we need or we think that we have somehow um, messed up. Um, and how in reality, if we could just learn how to surrender and let go of those expectations uh, and attachments that we have. And I think that's one of the reasons why I love this gospel so much. In our gospel, we hear of Jesus' prediction of his coming death. He says, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains just a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Those who love their life lose it, and those who hate their life in this world will save it. Jesus knows he is walking towards the agony on the cross, and he goes willingly. It's a perfect example of, you know, that phrase we pray week in and week out, thy will be done. Not my will, but thy will. However, he didn't go without wrestling. We know he wrestles with his faith periodically, and we know even the night before in the Garden of Gethsemane, that was a night of agony for him. But eventually, he came to the place where he ceased wrestle. Let the seed drop and die and see what grows. Let go, surrender, trust. So if Jesus did it, why can't I? None of those things are my strong suit. Yet I know that so often when we do it, when we let go, way more fruit is born than if we cling to things until we kill them. Those who love their life lose it. Those who surrender their life will save it. When we live our lives with our fists unclenched, when we are willing to let go and let God, we are losing our lives, we're surrendering, and yet we gain our lives in God more completely, more deeply, more richly. This is one of those beautiful paradoxes that we are called to live into. And of course it isn't easy, but nothing that's worthwhile is ever easy. And so, look at your hearts. What is imprinted there? Keep your hearts supple and soft. 
so that you can respond in ways that are compassionate and righteous and let, allow what is written on your heart to flow forth. Remember, God is always circling back and showing us a way even as we hit those walls. And finally, let the seed drop and die. Surrender, trust, so that something new might be born. What better things can we think about as we prepare for the coming of Holy Week?